Hey guys, this is Nisha from So Here's What Happened and Did You Have To? Throughout the month of October, podcasts like ours and others in the Bawaii Geek community are fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. You can donate now at stjude.org forward slash Bawaii Also, our community will be performing challenges when certain amounts of donations are made to our page. For example, for $15, I will eat five pieces of disgusting candy corn for a great cause. To learn more about how gamers and content creators worldwide are supporting kids of St. Jude, go to playlive.stjude.org. So here's what happened as a proud member of the Bawaii podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What's Happened. I am your host, Nisha, and I'm always joined by... Carolyn, hey! And today we have a special guest. Um, please welcome to the show, Missy Turner, a.k.a. Imperial Girl. Hello! Uh, Missy, thanks for joining us. So guys, um, by the time this episode comes out, it will be announced that the bio, But Why Though podcast community is working with St. Jude, specifically St. Jude Play Live, which is a video game charity platform that supports St. Jude Children's Research Hospital to raise funds to help fight against um, childhood cancer. So we have the great honor of having Misty here. Um, just, you know, you're also, you're involved with St. Jude and we thought it would be a great way to highlight the content creators that are involved with this program. So I don't know if you want to give the people a little intro about yourself, but we're also going to get into some interview questions too. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Misty. Uh, you can find me on Twitch on MP- at it, uh, Imperial and, or Imperial girl. I go both by both, uh, depending on the platform. Uh, I'm a content creator, uh, part-time these days, but I am also, uh, I also do a lot of charity fundraising on that platform for um, primarily St. Jude, but also in the past for Extra Life and more recently for the Bail Project. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on our show. And we're just excited, you know, like to be able to highlight someone who is involved with this initiative and, you know, get to know you more and like let our fans learn more about you too. So I'll kick things off. How did you get started in gaming and cosplay? Cause I did a little, I, I looked at some of your stuff and I saw that those are two things that you do on your platforms. And I was kind of curious, how did you get into those? Well, I've always, my dad worked for a computer company back in the day, like the eighties before it was, it was in vogue. So we've always had a computer in the house and with that came games. And so I have always, I can't remember a time I wasn't playing a computer game. (laughs) So once I found a platform to do it on, I thought that was really great. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always played video games as long as I can remember. And cosplay is pretty much the same. I think it was sixth grade. I'm, so I'm 47. I'm not young, but when I was in sixth grade, Cindy Lauper's first album came out and I really, really wanted to dress up like her on Halloween. And so it became a thing from there on out, making costumes and being involved with dressing up and silly things that I love. That's cool. No, I love that. I do a little bit of cosplay. So I, I figured I, I always like when I find out so, that someone does cosplay, I'm like, I want to find out, like, how did you get into it also? Mm-hmm. Um, so then follow-up question to that is what made you decide to get into um, live slash creative streaming? So years ago, I almost six, I might even know it's past six years now. How about that? I didn't even realize it. Uh, Six years ago, I was introduced to Twitch by a friend and 
I stumbled on actually a charity streaming um, event that goes on. It's a week-long charity event that raises money for different causes at uh, different times of the year. And I, I thought that it was just fantastic. So after watching a few other streamers and thinking, hey, I could do that. That sounds fun. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I started streaming uh, gaming during the day, but then I realized it was taking away from my sewing time. And I have a side uh, business where I do sewing and embroidery. So so I thought, hey, I, there's some creative on Twitch. Barely. It was just, it was prior to it being officially launched. Okay. And I decided eh, they're doing it. Someone's cooking. Someone else is painting. So let me sew. And so I started doing that and that took off much more than the gaming content did. And I enjoyed it. I mean, not that I didn't enjoy playing games too, but I enjoyed sewing. So that, that was where I started in I think it was August of 2015. And then um, I got partnered a couple months later. Mm-hmm. Right, I just think I've been doing this for um, just like about six years now. So have you noticed, have there been any significant changes in the community as a whole from when you first started? Because like, not, I'm not with regards to technology, just with how people interact with each other and the way it's being used now. Oh, absolutely. Five years ago, six years ago, Twitch was a much different place. Um, excuse me. It was really focused. The, the, even like you said, the community was different. It was less... Um, focused on interaction with each other and more focused on interaction with the streamer. You could go into any channel and it would only be, and not only, but mostly be people talking at the broadcaster, right? And I think as Twitch has evolved and as live broadcasting has evolved, um, people tend to interact with each other as a more community-based platform. And that's really what I've grown to enjoy about live streaming. And I think it doesn't matter where you're doing it. It's the same across the board. Mm. Don't spit um like um Twitter, kinda like how Twitter has become more interactive, which is kind of like why I'm more involved with Twitter now than when I first joined, because like people are more instead of just like you said, responding to just like the what we would call the OP, the original poster, mm-hmm. like you have like people interacting with each other within the, the threads and like and that's all but we like that's literally how Nisha and I found each other because we were like interacting with other people's um, Twitter. So, so that's interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that on Twitter as well. <laughs> it's great. Cause you know, without Twitter, I don't think me and Carolyn would have had this show. Aww. And like, I, I could say that about like podcasting in general too, like how like me and like getting to know other creatives and stuff. So I think that's awesome that like you're like, you've seen that change in mm-hmm. that space. Um, so kind of to add to that question, um, are or were there any challenges you found being a woman of color in live streaming space? Like that you've like, experienced in the beginning or that you experienced today at all? Absolutely. I mean, it's easy for people when they're behind a keyboard to um, let out maybe the worst side of themselves, something that they would hide in public. So you get people who might normally present as much kinder as than they normally would be to come into somewhere and see a woman um, and a woman of color and an older woman of color and Mm -hmm. just decide that they're going to make their lives uncomfortable for their own enjoyment is, is 
and I'm not quite sure from a psychological level where it comes from. Um, I think about that far too much, but yeah, it's, it's difficult from a random person coming in and, and making, uh, comments, um, like ageist comments and, and racial comments and misogynistic comments. And, uh, it's, it happens, but luckily I am surrounded by a really good, great community that will give them no quarter. Um, and my moderation staff is really, um, really quick to react. <laughs> Half the time I'll have to go back and there's a way I can see what has been deleted in the channel. And I'll just out of curiosity, see what someone has said on an awful level or I'll guess it turns into a game, but I, I do sometimes like to confront people and, and talk about it. Cause I feel like it gives an opportunity for, even if that person doesn't learn something, maybe someone else will. Mm, yeah. So, but yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, yeah. Well, with all of that, because I guess we have people talking about there's the SJW like that's a I don't know why being a social justice warrior would be a bad thing. But like you mentioned, you have your moderators who kind of like, I guess you could say stand in the gap for you. So like, how did you go about um, cultivating the community that you have now, one that is basically a safe space for you and also who you interact with and also for your moderators who um, are, protect you in a way when you can't do it for yourself? Sure, that's a great question. The um, mon- Getting moderators on any kind of... <laughs> community platform is difficult because people can, you know, you never really know someone who's behind the keyboard. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, um, I don't think I've added a new mod in years. Um, but (laughs) excuse me, I still have a really great staff of people that show up every time and support us because we, when I first started, I was able to choose people after observing their behavior. Like I had an initial group of people who for the most part, aren't really with me anymore. Um, one or two still are, which is, I feel pretty good about six years later, but, um, you watch people's behavior and you see how they react to things and you see their boundaries. And then you learn to trust their boundaries are similar to your boundaries. Um, and that's, that's how I've found moderators. I know everybody kind of does it different. Some people just, I know some people only know, have moderators that they actually know from previous, right? They import them. Like, Hey, I need your help on this platform. Uh, I don't, I didn't have that luxury. So I had to build relationships and trust with people. And I was very lucky to get a really core group of people who are pretty excellent. And going on from that, um, that you like we talked about that you mentioned um, at the beginning where you do um, programs fundraising programs like recently you did a fundraising um, initiative to raise funds for the Black Lives Matter um, bill fund programs and um, <clears throat> because you're using Twitch in particular to, to do this because it's such a unique platform um, have you any how how effective has that been for you to 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 not only use this as a platform to raise funds but also to promote causes for people of color and for people from marginalized communities so i for a long time um I don't want to say shied away from, but I had like the no politics rule and I didn't shy away from talking about um, the fact that I'm black or the fact that there's so much 
struggle in the black community. Um, but I definitely did not have it as a, as a focus like it has been this year. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't not a focus. Um, and let me know if I'm straying too far from your question, but for example, like I was a part of Twitch's black history month a couple of years ago. That was a really nice, um, opportunity to bring awareness, uh, to the fact that, um, the black community is still marginalized and racism isn't over (laughs) just because we had a president who was black and that's not a thing that that happens when there's still sundown towns. Um, you can't say that racism is over, right? So, um, I was able to use platforms in the past um, in a, in not, I don't want to say in a subversive way, but in a very kind of, I tried to normalize it. Like I'm not going to have a stream where we sit down and talk about, um, issues in the black community. But if our conversation brings us there, we're certainly not going to stop and say, Oh, well, we're not going to talk about that. Cause it might make some people uncomfortable. Well, welcome. <laughs> you know what? Everyone sometimes. And as soon as um, the, the most recent issues fired up, I, I mean, as, as someone of color, I couldn't stay quiet um, in the face of that um, specifically. And that's probably one of the only times I've ever come on and been like, Hey, we're going to talk about some real stuff right now. Um, and you know, as, as it went on, it became, um, it, and it has been always um, an underlying theme that comes up that the part of who I am and we were going to talk about it if it comes up right like people still have disbelief when I talk about stories about my dad being pulled over um like for driving while black and they don't like people will say that's not a real thing and I'm like no it is I was in the car I watched I watched the police officer pull the flashlight to my mom's face who is white and say oh (laughs) like oh I didn't realize that you had someone with you (laughs) So, yeah, so I I like to share stories with my community like, hey, no, this is real. This is things that happen in people's lives. And I want to normalize that kind of conversation. Like, right, like that's not what I'm when I say no politics. That's definitely not what I mean. Right. But I I never really took it as a mantle. And it was more of just trying to make sure that my community was on board and understood that these are real. This is what my life looks like. Right. And it's probably much different than what, what your life looks like. And, and it's important to understand that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, I, I love that you're using your platform that way to like, you know, reach your communicate community and like educate them. But then like, I guess it's also like a perfect way for us to segue into like the work you're doing with St. Jude and how you're using your platform to help with St. Jude play live. Um, so if you can tell us a little about a little bit about what is St. Jude play live. So, uh, St. Jude Play Live is a program for content creators. Um, I believe it started with Twitch content creators and has grown from there, but I could be just very Twitch focused myself. Um, excuse me, but it started, uh, many years ago. I want to say back maybe in 2015, uh, 2016. And I apologize that I'll I'm, I'm sure I'll get an email. <laughs> like, how could you forget? But we, um, I know that I started raising funds in 2016 for, for St. Jude Play Live. And um, it's, what it does is it motivates uh, content creators to use their platform to help raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And it, that's extremely important because at the hospital, no child, no parent, no family pays for travel, food, housing, or treatment. <laughs> So if your child is able to <clears throat> go to St. Jude, they will be treated, they, all expenses are covered. 
And it's so important because that allows parents to worry about their children and their children's health. And that's it. They don't have to worry about anything else. Um, They have housing facilities for these families that are broken up by how long you need to be there. Uh, They have a long-term facility that's set up like an apartment building. It's beautiful. It allows families to live a quasi-normal life in a very abnormal setting. And to be able to um, play video games be able to sew, do creative streams, but do it for such a great cause is an absolutely breathtaking experience, right? You look at this platform and you look at probably not really what it was intended to be used for in the beginning, but you have such a, such reach and you can motivate people and use the medium that you have, um, which is so unique in the gaming and streaming space um, to really let people know about these children and their catastrophic childhood illnesses and that how, how much good you can do by tossing a single dollar to a fundraising stream, it makes an actual difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that that play, St. Jude Play Live has really opened that door in that space and allowed the awareness of what that hospital does to reach a whole new group of people, right? Like all of my parents, like people my age, again, I'm older, know what St. Jude is. Like they know where mm-hmm. it is. They know, we've seen the commercials our entire life. But then when you look at um, a younger generation, they might only kind of like sort of understand what it is that bringing St. Jude to that audience via streaming platforms is vital to keeping um, research flowing and cures going for these kids. And how did you get involved with St. Jude's play life? Like how did, like who reached out to whom first? Uh, that would be, um, so it's really easy to fundraise for them. And I, um, <coughs> excuse me, when I first started on Twitch, I saw someone doing fundraising for another children's hospital. Um, one actually that my son had spent a significant amount of time in, in his youth in, when he was an infant. So I was really motivated by the fact that, oh, hey, you can use this platform for raising money. How fantastic. So I got involved from that level. And then the next year when Play Live um, was spinning up and, you know, letting everyone know the price season was going to start. So Play Live has two main uh, fundraising seasons. There's prize season, which starts in late April and goes through the end of May. And that is primarily gaming focused, but there is a lot of creative content that goes on there as well. And also there is a second opportunity that starts at the end of October for a creative season. Um, And that goes through December or into December. It was more, I was looking for other opportunities and I just, I, I realized, Hey, I could do that. And Oh, what? That's how you get a purple Twitch sweatshirt. That's what I want. Right. Like it was, there was that, that's that motivation factor from that. Cause that's the only way you can get a purple Twitch sweatshirt. That's it is raising money for St. Jude. So it, it, it is, I mean, I'll take it. Right. Like if that's someone's only reason for fundraising, $500 for the kids. <laughs> so that's how I found it. Just because I was looking for other fundraising opportunities. I saw someone else doing it. I decided I wanted to do it. That's awesome. Um, and I, I just want to add to like what you had said a little bit uh, ago. It's just like, I think it's awesome that like, you know, using Twitch as a platform to reach, you know, like the younger audiences that may not be familiar with this platform. Um, Cause I do think of myself as like, you know, I'd had, I didn't know St. Jude, had this kind of platform until like maybe I think last year when I first heard about it. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. This is like a really good way to reach people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, you know, because not everyone watches TV and sees a commercial anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that, that's a great point, but like using this and like, you know, pe- creators like you doing what you're doing for the kids. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. And now and I was very lucky, um, before the program expanded, I was invited to go to, uh, the campus, uh, back in 27, 18, 18, it doesn't matter, years ago. And <laughs> my shoddy memory. Uh, the And when you go there and you see... Um, you actually see patients, right? And you see the hospital running. When you look at what this one man built and why, and that it was built by and on the backs of immigrants, um, it is a beautiful story from start to finish, both what they do, how they started, why they started. Danny Thomas was an actor um, that made, that was famous for a TV show called Make Room for Daddy. He also is famous as being uh, Marlo Thomas's dad. <laughs> who was Rachel's mom on Friends, <laughs> for those people following along at home. Okay. So he was a Syrian-Lebanese immigrant, and he um, was really down on his luck at one point in his life. And he, the story goes that the way I have heard it is that he went to church and prayed to St. Jude, who is the patron saint of lost causes, and said, if you help me, I will build a shrine to you. And rumor has it that soon after he either got a a toothpaste commercial or opportunities started to open up for him. And that's from there on out, he was unstoppable, right? From a Hollywood famous perspective. And he came back and made, um, you know, kept his promise. And he decided um, after thought, how do I build this? What do I do? Um, Where do I put it? And he decided in the middle of the 60s to put it in the segregated South, a place that would help anyone from anywhere with no charge. Uh, and at the time, he, when he created St. Jude, he cre- also created the fundraising arm of St. Jude to fund um, the research that would go on. And that is called ALSAC, American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities. And his community showed up and are really the, the people who funded the hospital and who continue to run ALSAC today. So it is a wonderful place that was created and run by by immigrants. And I think that that is, uh, to, to quote my friend Lynn, immigrants, we get the job done. And yeah, to give thanks to, for God, uh, to God for their opportunities in America, right? So they do allow, and anyone can be treated at St. Jude regardless of race, religion, ability to pay. There's three criteria for becoming a patient at St. Jude. One, you must have a form of uh, cancer or catastrophic childhood illness that they treat. Two, you must be referred by a uh, doctor. And three, you must have a pediatric form of cancer. So even if you are not a child, they break the, the children rule sometimes if you have a pediatric form of cancer as an adult. Wow. That's good. To, that's good to know. That's awesome that they, like, you know, help people who have pe- mm-hmm. that have that form of cancer because not there's not many options for sometimes for those people. When you go visit the lobby and there is a bust of um, 
Danny Thomas. Actually, you might have seen it because there was so much press about Chadwick uh, Boseman's uh, visit to St. Jude after he passed. Mm. Um, and there's a picture of him standing next to a bust of Danny Thomas. And you'll notice that the nose is gold because it's good luck to rub his nose when you're at the hospital. Wow. So it's, it is, um, and when he started the hospital, the very first form of cancer that they treated was ALL. Oh my goodness. Let's see if I can do it. I know it's lymphoblastic lymphoma, acute lymphoblastic lymphoma. Oh my gosh, I got it right. Leukemia, leukemia. It's so close, right? So ALL, uh, and it had a 4% survival rate. Doctors told children to go home. Mm. Doctors told parents to go home and love on your child because they were just, that was your treatment. They were going to die. And today that form of cancer has a 94% um, survival rate, thanks to St. Jude. So it is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty magical place. Um, and it's one of those places that, um, so someone who works there once said, this is where hope lives. And maybe that's also a slogan and that's where they got it from, but they're not wrong. Like it's magic when you walk into that place. Cause you see hope in people's eyes in a place where there might, there should be none. Your child is ill, catastrophically ill, but you don't see that. You see hope on the faces mm. of these parents and in these kids, smiles on faces. And it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing place to be and to be able to, it inspires you even more. Like, I don't know now that, especially seeing it, like it's one thing to have this conceptual idea of what you're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you go <laughs> and you see, you look into a child's eyes, you're like, nope, I will be doing this forever. <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. That's very inspiring. No, I don't, there, there's so much. <laughs> awesome. No, I, I, I really do thank you for sharing that story um, with us. Cause I, I think it's fitting because like our show is up. Uh, so here's what happened. Like we are like an entertainment podcast. We love talking about like actors and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, entertainment book, like things like that. So I think it's cool that St. Jude has <laughs> that connection through Danny Thomas mm-hmm. and, you know, through his success and he wants to give back. I, I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Mm-hmm. So what, can you tell us what does your role in St. Jude consist of then? Or St. Jude Play Live consist of? Well, I'm a content creator like anyone else. I don't really have a special role, I would say, um, other than someone who has been doing this for quite some time. Um, I know that last year they asked me to speak and I was like, I, I, I didn't have time to create something or write something. But other than that, I am another face in the crowd. We're not... We're all, we're all equal. Okay. Guiding and mentoring others. Um, I do, if I can, right. If people, since I have been doing this for such a long time, I am someone who, um, they will tap for something like this because I have been involved for a long time and I can help people navigate the ins and outs if they need that or uh, give them, I don't know, any kind of information that, that is needed. And it, if I can help them in any way, I, that's really what that I look at that as my role. Like, what can I do to help this organization make more money? <laughs> and if that means like freeing up time of resources because they need someone to help mentor new fundraisers, then I, that, that okay. That way you can find new fundraisers. <laughs> nice. Um, so are there any personal 
interesting goals that you're setting for yourself for this year's play like like what interesting can you tell us about any interesting challenges you'll be doing for the fundraising so in the past i have done um my my goal is my my mystical magical goal is always twenty thousand dollars and i've yet to reach it which one day one day i will get there um but i have i've done a couple things in the past that are fun i have actually i don't know that this sweatshirt will let me do it but i have tattoos that i've gotten specifically like every year i add a new one it's not the favorite of one of the guys who runs it but He's also covered in tattoos, so he should understand. Um, but these, so every year I get ten, that I raise $10,000, I get a new tattoo. Um, one year from May the 4th, which is like a Star Wars holiday, um, mm-hmm. which everyone probably knows. Like I had to explain that. But um, I said, oh, if anyone donates $1,000 in one donation, I will dress up like Slave Leia and take pictures and blah, blah, blah. And that was a bad move. <laughs> I priced that way too low. It was sub 10 minutes. <laughs> wow. And then somebody did it. So I was, as I prefer to call her, Hot Slayer Leia. In, uh, but yeah, that was fun. But it is great. Cosplay. It was uncomfortable walking down the streets of Atlanta in. <laughs> but I was hardly the most scantily clad person at this convention, so it was okay. <laughs> But I've done that. And then, um, what else? I've done some other goofy things. Like I've eaten bean boozled, but you're horrific. Um, I've, um, we had a, last year we had a pie smashing contest. Uh, My manager and I, that you could donate money for one of us to smash each other in the face with the pie. And whoever had more, like whoever had more pies got hosed off at the end with the cold water hose by the other person on camera. That one was really fun. Uh, I got hosed off. It was gross. It was not fun. Cold water in the face. Wow. Well, I do hope that you're able to reach your 20,000 gold this year. Um, But if you don't mind telling, how can our listeners help and get involved with St. Jude Play Live? Yeah, I believe it is playlive.stjude.org. Uh, if you visit that website, you can uh, sign up, get more information, uh, get in touch uh, via, I believe there's contact links there and, and reach out to uh, get assistance in starting up your own journey. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, if you don't mind, if you want, if there's anything you want to plug, if you want to plug your St. Jude Play Live link, um, we'll also make sure we include that at the bottom so people can learn more about you too. Um, just feel free to plug anything, socials, wherever you want to be found. Sure. Uh, I primarily stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash imperial. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, imperial girl, G-R-R-L, because I am a child of the 90s, and that's how we rolled. <laughs> um, I, my St. Jude link is in my Twitch profile, so that's a, a great way to find it. It's probably the easiest way since my campaign URL changes every year. Um, but those are, um, I'm trying to think, I think that's it in terms of like where I am right now, I'm working full time. So my, my social media is really kind of quiet, but I'll be back now that I'm moved and sewing geeky things and um, 
raising hopefully lots of money for some really awesome kids. It's St. Jude Play Live also has a Twitter. It's at St. Jude Play Live. Uh, they highlight broadcasters who are streaming for the cause throughout all prize season and creative season and throughout the year, if some, you don't have to only fundraise during prize season or creative season, you can fundraise whenever. So uh, it's a great account to follow and they'll have links to, uh, they have their own discord if you're a fundraiser and there's lots of different ways that you can reach out to them and be in contact and get involved. Awesome. We'll be sure to include that in the links too at the bottom. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you again for that. And it was just a pleasure having you on. So that our listeners know throughout the month of October, podcasts like ours and others in the book, Why Though Geek Community is fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. Donate now at stjude.org slash but why though and also fun fact our community will be performing challenges when certain amounts of donations are made to our page for example for $15 I will eat disgusting candy corn for a good cause candy corn so good it's not tastes like despair and hopelessness what are you talking about it's the candy it is reject candy it is the candy that grandmothers give their grandchildren that they do not love it is the bait of my existence and it is wax candy but I'm gonna eat it for the kids Yeah. (laughs) Apparently Misty loves it. I I do. I love it. Oh my gosh. I won't hold it against you. I I swear I won't hold it against you, but I just I'll not. I'll take all your extra. How's that? (laughs) It sounds good. Um so uh, for anyone who wants to learn more about the about Playlife about gamers and content creators who are supporting this initiative, you can visit playlife.stjude.org. Hey guys, this is Nisha from So Here's What Happened and Did You Have To? Throughout the month of October, podcasts like ours and others in the But Why the Geek community are fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. You can donate now at stjude.org slash but why though. If you're interested and want to learn more about how gamers and content creators worldwide are supporting the kids of St. Jude, you can do that at playlive.stjude.org.